think you might hear, oh, she's going to make me cry already, because <laughs> I am very grateful, and for her, a gift, one of the greatest gifts beside my salvation in life. So, yes, I'm Pastor Brian, so uh, thank you all for being here. I see, gosh, Montana represented, uh, Hawaii, mahalo, mabuhai. Um, gosh, I think I saw Matthew and Manny back there all the way from Mexico, Salvatore, and Joseph, all the way from Claremont, and I think people come from Alpine. God bless you guys. Valley Center. Okay, there's too many of you to mention, but uh, hey, Manny and Matthew, I just want to tell you that I love your dad. I miss him too, and God has a plan for your life. So don't grow weary. Keep persevering, and you'll have breakthrough. So thanks for coming all the way from Mexico. I know they came to visit you, Isabel and Tyler. Anyway, uh, my message today is entitled Super Bloom. Because it brings me back to something that Pastor Cindy said about desert flowers blooming. So you'll see how I, I uh, stole that from her because I want to weave that into my message. Yeah, I didn't really have any uh, punk rock pictures of me from my past, but this is me on a motorcycle. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be up on the screen, but I basically, that, that was after I toned it down a little bit. But yeah, I kind of had a death wish and, you know, I got a motorcycle and crashed it a few times and God only knows how how I survived, but, you know, I started kind of young being rebellious and, and kind of having a death wish and started smoking when I was 11 and shoplifting and thought I was really cool to have my first alcohol party in the basement while my parents were upstairs. Um, I don't know what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking. I was really deceived, but it was funny because one of the richer kids came to the front door and he brought the Canadian case of beer. So my dad answered the door and he's like, oh, What's that? He says, oh, Brian's having a party, so I, I brought some gifts. You know, and he's like, well, great, I'll take that. He's like, this is good stuff. So he put that in the kitchen and then followed the guy downstairs, and I was in the sound booth. We made this little DJ station under the, under the stairs. We thought we were so cool. We, were like, we had, like, the disco lights and trying to do Michael Jackson with the hat and stuff. But uh, we were pouring liquor through, the, like, a curtain underneath the stairs so my dad said I want some of that and I poured it into his glass and then he opened the curtain he's like you're done you know but you know parents I just gotta encourage you that don't lose hope you know uh, don't lose hope because as I'm standing here today and I know there's people with even crazier testimonies but I'll just share you mine so that I can encourage you and inspire you when you see someone that looks like a lost cause that isn't gonna listen they don't want to listen. They come at you like a demon, okay? There's hope, because that's how I was, okay? I mean, I would drink to get drunk, and I was out of control. I crashed three cars. Two got totally totaled. And, you know, I was finally at so much opposition and anger at everybody and everything, you know, that, I mean, I just had a chip on my shoulder, and I was ready to, you know, go ahead and knock it off, you know? And so I didn't want to talk to anybody about my problems because of pride, you know, so I just remember when I was 18, I just said, you know what, I'm checking out. You know, I found some narcotics and I even bought some on my own. And I, we, we kind of lived in a rural area. So since I didn't want anybody's help and I was no longer allowed to drive the family car because I totaled it and I was uh, having an argument with my dad about that. And I thought he didn't care, but he was just freaked out because I could have killed some people in myself. Um, I just said, you know what, I'm going to walk home while I die, you know. So I popped all these pills, and I said, maybe when I get home, I'm going to drink some more. I'm going to take some more. And I just wouldn't die. It was six miles, you know? 
in the snow. Maybe because it was freezing cold. It was snow and ice. We, we, we grew up back east. I was born in Long Island, New York, and we moved outside of Philadelphia. I, was, I think it all, the depression stopped, started when I, uh, we moved away from the beach. So that's why I'm in San Diego now. I'm good. Yeah. But, um, you know, I remember walking home, and there were some kids from my friend's high school, because I was now a military boarding school. So they kind of locked me up so I couldn't get in trouble. And I was doing good there, but I was struggling, struggling inside. I had this internal struggle. You know, I was, I was trying to, to win in life. I was, trying to, I was trying to prove to everybody, you know, that I'm, I'm amazing, you know, make you proud. And uh, nothing I did seemed to work, you know. I remember I'd, I'd go to bed at 2 in the morning after studying all night because I wanted to be on the dean's list so I could get out of uh, get out of school on the weekend. I mean, they let you out for a few hours and then lock you back up. But, uh, you know, I just remember I could never get the awards. I could never win the accolades. And, uh, you know, I just thought, this is it, you know. So, so I remember walking home and some of the friends from my, my twin brother's high school were driving their car right by me and they like splashed me with a slush and stuff. And they're like, Brian, dude. And I was like, are you going to stop? And they just blew past me, and I'm like, don't you know I got four miles left? I'm like, well, anyway, screw you guys, you know? So, so I just remember, you know, I'm so grateful because I just wouldn't die that day, you know? And my, my older brother found me, and he turned me in to my parents. Of course, they lost it. My mom's a sweet little butterfly, and that's why I survived, because otherwise my dad would have killed me. But uh, she was so upset. I, I couldn't believe how upset she was. But... I decided I got to get out of here. I survived, okay? So they took me to the hospital. I remember when my dad came, and he, he, he didn't know how to, like, process what I did. And he wasn't a real fuzzy, you know, affectionate guy. He just showed his love by working his fingers to the bone. That's what he did. You had that kind of dad? Yeah. So, um, but, you know, to me, it wasn't good enough because I had this fantasy about how we should relate and the kind of relationship we should have. You know, I, I watched other kids that their dad was there all the time and I didn't have that. And I didn't appreciate his sacrifice because what I wanted was time. So um, he said to me in the hospital, he said, I can't believe you would do something like this. You know, do you, do you know how many people you would have hurt? And it's not what I wanted to hear, but it was the truth. And it made me realize like, I can't do that again. But you know what? I'm going to die early somehow. And so I signed up for the military. And uh, <laughs> I want to make some people proud. But uh, somehow, I, got, I guess I convinced them to let me get into a helicopter crew. And, you know, I became a door gunner in the Persian Gulf. And I um, signed up to be a rescue swimmer. Well, they told me I was going to do it if I didn't want to or not. So I said, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to volunteer. You know, I just didn't want them to order me around. Yeah, imagine that in the military. So, I mean, they try to drown you and kill you, and they p play this game, Sharks and Daisies. And they did drown a kid six months after I left the, uh, left the training, but I graduated. But I just started getting crazier, you know? It was like, it wasn't enough. You know, even though I was in the military and I could get in trouble, we'd just go out and raise hell and party like crazy. And I was the guy smashing the, the beer cans on my head. And we were, I was read this crowd that wherever we went, we just wanted to start fights in the civilian bars and in the military bars. I remember one time I had this buddy from Miami and he was like this Italian stallion dude. So he was like super buff and stuff. And he just wanted to fight everybody. And one time we were in this club 
on the enlisted base and like 12 of these Marines that just graduated from boot camp, that's not what you want to mess with them because they got their, their chest puffed out and nobody can take them. And so he decided to pick a fight with them. And I don't even know how we survived, but there was blood and guts on the floor and the military police got called and somehow, I don't know, maybe somebody was praying for me, but we ended up sitting on the wall outside the club when the military police ran by and we're like, they're in there, you know? And <laughs> we didn't even get in trouble. I don't know how. Um, but we just thought we were so cool. We, would, we were rescue swimmers, right? So we would lay down on the bottom of the pool and be like, all right, so whoever blacks out, you're the one that has to go up and once in a while take a breath so you can save us, okay? So we'd be down on the bottom of the pool with, looking at our watches and, and seeing who, who was the toughest, who could survive. So I don't recommend that. Uh, make sure you have a spotter if you do. Uh, <laughs> but we just thought we were in defeat. We were just invincible. Um, but, you know, it caught up with me a little bit. I mean, then I kept doing it. But I ended up in jail for 30 days, literally digging ditches. Um, no chain around my leg, but it was just like the movies without the chains around your leg. So uh, somehow I survived that. But I got held back in some of my training. And I was trying to go to Hawaii you know, a really cool place, but I'm glad I didn't because I wouldn't have met Mary. And so uh, this other guy that I used to party with, he ended up having to go on my detachment to the Persian Gulf because I was delayed. And uh, unfortunately, we were partying and we were joking about it. And he was like, thanks a lot, man. I just got back from being away for six months. So thanks to you, I got to go back out there. It's hot out there, okay? So uh, there's an ocean, but there's dust everywhere in the Persian Gulf. So every day you got to wash everything down, everything. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, he went in my place, and then his, they went on a mission, and they never came home. So I just felt so guilty. You know, just, again, just kept blaming myself for all my shortcomings and I just kept spiraling down to a dark place. I remember I met his dad, you know, because we did a memorial for him and I didn't dare tell his dad that he went in my place. I didn't. I went and talked to his dad, but I didn't tell him. And then two more of my friends died that year, um, one from an overdose and one from uh, drunken driving. And, you know, by the grace of God, there could have been me. You know, I mean, God is good. You know, he's always good. He's only good. I got that from Andre, Prophet Andre. But he didn't do those things to my friends. But we were just in that place. And there's a devil out there to get you. There's a devil that has a plan for your life. And God has a plan for your life. So I just kept getting to this low point. I said, you know, I'm not going to kill myself, but I'm going to get myself killed. So, you know, I kind of prided myself that, hey, I'm in this job that could kill you. But... I'm going to save people while I do it, you know? So I'm a rescue swimmer. I'm going to go after you and save you, but I'm going to die trying, you know? Um, and I just remember at this point when I, I definitely was ready to just pick a fight with anybody. And uh, I was kind of like this underground after hours punk rocker. You know, I couldn't, I got caught with my mohawk coming through the base. Yeah, they brought me to the, the duty officer that day. And he just laughed. He's like, session. Well, my, my nickname was Shred Monster because I'd always be like, Shred, dude, let's go get the waves, man. You know, I was a confused, I was like, dude, shred, surfer dude, but then I was like this punk rocker after hours, and they were like, get your hair cut, man, shred monster, so, because I was like always saying shred, but I was like just monstrous in my behavior, you know, so I don't use that nickname anymore, my twin brother stole it, 
But anyway, uh, so the, God set me up because they transferred me to this department, and I was really ticked off about it, and they assigned me to work with this guy, Nate. And I hated that guy. I didn't like his message, and I didn't like him. But man, he didn't fear me because he feared God. And I remember him talking to me like on our first day of work, and he was like, hey, Brian, do you believe in God? He has this like gruff voice, and I was like, oh, yeah, sure, dude. I get, there's, a, there's a higher power out there, you know? So, you know, if you're born again and saved and love Jesus and somebody says that to you, you know they're not saved, you know? <laughs> so he's like, oh, really? Well, do you, like, believe there's a heaven and a hell? And I was like, oh, yeah, I believe there's, like, heaven, you know, like a paradise or something like that, you know, life after death. Yeah, yeah, but I don't believe there's a hell, you know? I was like, come on, let's talk about it. Let's fight. Because, you know, if there was one, that's where I was going, and I knew it. So I was in denial. And he's like, well, Brian, I got news for you. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And I'm like, man, listen to you, the church lady, you know? I was like, I don't want to talk about your stupid Jesus, you know? So just shut up and get out of my face, all right? I was like, <sighs> you know? Imagine me. But, you know, he was like, all right, dude, that's cool, right? But I know what he did. He went home, and he prayed fire down from heaven for me. I know he got in his prayer closet, and he was like, listen, here, punk, I should deck you right now, but I'm going to pray for you instead. <laughs> So, uh, you know, the Bible says in Romans 2, 4, that the love of God leads us to true life change. I think that might be the amplified or I shortened it. So it's the love of God that leads us to repentance. I'd met people that thumped the Bible on me, you know, and I would just tell them off, you know, because in my mind, God was angry at me and all my problems were because God was punishing me. Can you believe that? But see, I didn't know the love of God. I didn't know the true character of God. I had this thing conjured up my head that if you're going through struggles, God's beating you down because you're messing up. That's just what I thought. And boy, was I deceived. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. See, to me, it was foolishness. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And I was in spiritual darkness big spiritual darkness, like oppressed by demons, probably possessed by demons. So Nate was like, all right, dude, you know, it's cool. You know, he just kept praying for me and he'd always slip up. I would be like, dude, I told you not to talk to him about Jesus. Oh yeah, sorry, man. It's just, you know, it's just such a part of me. I just can't help it. And I just love Jesus. And I'm like, all right, fine, go ahead. You know, he was just so nice and loving. I'd be like, okay, go ahead. You know, we had to work together. So it was like every day, you know. Give me a break, dude. But one time, we were getting ready to go on detachment to the Persian Gulf. And when you're going on detachment with just one helicopter to one of the smaller ships, you don't have your whole squadron. So everybody does everybody's job. And so when an aircraft engine goes down, you become an engine mechanic. And so you're all changing that thing. When the ship's rocking and rolling, you're trying to hoist that thing, you know, thousands of pounds. It's crazy. So everybody gets involved, like all seven. I think in the Persian Gulf, we'd have 17 of us. Normally, you'd have 15. So... Um, one night we were getting ready to go and we had an engine failure on the helicopter that I was in and you know, luckily we, we were on the ground. So we had to stay there in the hangar till uh, we get there at 6.30 in the morning, 6 30 in the morning, seven o'clock, and we'd start working and we were there till ten o'clock at night. And then uh, they just said, Okay, everybody, you know, go ahead and check out. We're gonna be back here at seven o'clock, zero seven hundred for you military types, okay? Zero seven hundred hours. And uh, man, I was mad because I was like, I gotta watch in the middle of the night, and I'm here till 10, 
So I'm going to be back here in a couple hours. And then they want me to be back here. And they said, oh, by the way, <laughs> so just fire, gasoline on the fire. They said, you got to be here at 6 o'clock because I have some stuff for you to do in the executive office area. That's where the, the um, commanding officer and the executive officer have their offices. So we got some work for you to do in there. So be here at 6 and get that taken care of before 7. So I was, I won't use the word, I was ticked off. So I was like kicking stuff and you know, Nate came up to me and he's like, what's the matter, Brian? And I was like, well, this and that, you know, and he's like, you know what? I'll do it. I was like, do what? And he's like, I'll do it for you. I was like, why? He's like, no, no, I'll, I'll come in. I'll take care of it. I was like, all right, dude, like whatever floats your boat, man. But I was nervous because I was going to sleep in and I was going to get there at 645 and I was going to hope that he really did get up and do this because otherwise I was going to be written up. I'll be in trouble, and I was already kind of in trouble. So uh, that's probably why they gave me that, that chore, you know what I mean? So when I got there, I was like, oh, he did it, you know? And I bumped into him, and I was like, why? He's like, what's the matter with you? And I was like, why? Why'd you do it? And he's like, what, what's the matter? What did I do? And I said, why'd you shine the floors for me? And he said, oh, because I just want to show you the love of Jesus, Brian. He didn't have to do that. You know, I mean, I was mean to him. I was a jerk. So talk about unconditional love. You know, sometimes I still give him a hard time. But anyway, so, I mean, gosh, within like, I mean, it was a short time. He's just like, Brian, listen, is there any reason why you wouldn't be willing to surrender your life to Jesus and just give it over to him and stop struggling and stop fighting and just... Let God's love pour in your heart and save you. And I'm like, man, I don't know. You know, so I had like another hundred bullets of questions to ask him. And he, he'd answer them. And I'd be like, man, this is, I'd be stupid not to accept this. You know, like he's like picked apart all my objections. And I ask him, you know, all those hard questions. Why did, I have, why did bad things happen to good people? And he didn't lie. He didn't, he didn't try to explain everything away. If he couldn't explain something, he just said, hey, Brian, I don't know. But I know that God is good, right? God is good. He's only good, and he's always good. So, man, right there, we were in this tool shed, this work shed, and he just led me right to Jesus right there. And I remember thinking, wow, like this struggle that I've been fighting all these years, it was like that's what I was looking for all my life, you know? Like this peace that I couldn't explain came over me, and I no longer had this, you know, self-hatred, and a desire, you know, like a secret death wish. And I just had like this love flood my heart. And I just couldn't believe like all these years, I just kept resisting God because I didn't know him. But, you know, Nate took the time to put up with my garbage and answer my questions, give me space when I need it. But he just kept persisting, you know. It's like the shepherd that goes after the 99 or the, the one and leaves the 99, you know. So, yeah, I got saved, and, uh, man, my life started changing like crazy, you know. Um, I got out of the military, and I ended up deciding to go into, uh, you know, uh, going to uh, college. Uh, I, that's where I met Mary, you know, my beautiful bride, you know, amazing. She just took my breath away. <laughs> <laughs> Still does, still does. <laughs> 30 years, 33, or 32 after, 
after dating because we were together two years before we got married. But, you know, um, I just fell head over heels in love with her. God spoke to me when I went on my first date with her and he said, that's your wife. And I was like, dude, like me? No, I'll be 38. Yeah, definitely when I get married because I'm, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm not ready. It's like, yep, that's your wife, but it'll never happen unless, unless you get right with me. And I was struggling still with my walk with God. You know, really at that time I was backslidden. You know, it's got God held me in like a little blanket and had my bottle, you know, and burnt me for about four months. And then I hit some trial and I said, I can't do this. But, you know, I wasn't going to church. I didn't go to Bible college. I wasn't going to life groups. I wasn't in fellowship and community. I was living in Pacific Beach in the party scene, you know. So, yeah, go figure. But about a month into our dating relationship, Mary got diagnosed with ovarian cancer fourth stage. I mean, they say like fifth stage is you're done, right? So I was desperate. And God had been speaking to me anyway. In fact, actually, before the diagnosis, I, I decided to get right with God because some, I don't know who said this, but somebody said, whatever you compromise for, the things of God that God has for your life and the word of God, you ultimately lose whatever you compromise it for. And I didn't want to lose her. I said, no, it's like the best thing that ever happened to me. She puts up with me, you know. <laughs> so I, uh, then she got this diagnosis, so I, I was desperate. And me and Nate had kind of like drifted apart. He got married, moved away. But I was desperate to find him. And this is before social media, really. So I just, somehow I found him. I don't know, Mary, maybe you helped me. But I found his number. Maybe I went back to my old, old black book or something. And I found him, and I said, I got to talk to you. So I went to see him, and he he just kept saying, you know, isn't it great, Brian, that Jesus overcame the world so we can have the victory? And I was trying to have this confession time with him, like he was my confessional. I was like, dude, you know, I've been going through this. And he just kept saying, you know, Brian, isn't it great that Jesus overcame the world so we can have the victory? And I was like, yeah, well, anyway, you know. So, <laughs> so he sent me home, and I was like, Jesus, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to serve you with all my heart. It's all or nothing. I'm not sitting on the fence anymore because it hurts. And I, I do not want to lose this woman. I want to marry her. And so I went home and I led her to Jesus. I didn't even know what I was doing. <laughs> Somehow I must have remembered a prayer from some preacher on TV or something or church. Because I wasn't at the promise yet. I wasn't at harvest yet where Dr. Henry was. And um, so I just went home, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to live my life this way. And I was terrified that she just dumped me and said, you're crazy. You're Jesus freak, you know? But I was like, no, if I don't do that, I'll lose her. And then I, I talked to her, and I said, you know, are you okay? And she was like, yeah, I'm okay. And I was like, okay, yeah, so they gave you, like, this diagnosis. You're okay? And then she started crying, you know? And I was like, what do I do, God? You know, even if I was, like, a multi-zillionaire, how could I save her? And he's like, well, why don't you ask her if she wants to give her life to me? So I was like, do you want to give your life to Jesus? <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to do. You know, I'd never prayed for anybody. I had never prayed for anyone. And this is the first person I'm going to ever lead to Jesus. But it, it really counted, you know. So I was like, we got to get her saved first, I guess. Right, God? He's like, yeah. What do you think? So, so I was like, okay, uh, take my hand, you know. And she was sitting at my apartment, and I was taking her hand, and I just said, say, say this with me, you know? And no, first I, sorry, I prayed for her healing. And then I was like, 
how do you feel, you know? And then I was like, what do I do now? And then God's like, well, ask her to, she wants to give her life to me. So that's when I, I said, okay, say this prayer. And somehow I knew how to say the sinner's prayer, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it doesn't have to be exact, right? So, yeah, she was crying. She gave her life to Jesus. And I was like, ah, you want to go to church? She's like, yeah. I was like, cool. So I was like, Nate, where do we go to church? And he's like, you got to come to this church, man. This is a real church. And I was like, oh, wow, it must be like a cathedral or something with stained glass windows. So I was like, we got in my 1966 Volkswagen Combi. She was living on Sail Bay. I was like, were you living on Sail Bay at that point or Thomas Street? I was on Mission Boulevard, you know, like crazy scene, you know. And so I was like, I'll pick you up. So we were going up 163, and I was like, lean forward so we can get up the hill. I had like one of those... You know what, 63 Salvatore, right, Claremont? I had this, like, little horse crop, and I had this back seat, and I would go, tsh, tsh, come on, baby. My, ba- my van's name was Betty. I named her Betty because I was always like, well, what's up, Betty? You know, to girls at the beach and stuff. So I named, well, actually, I bought this little air freshener of Betty Boop, and so me and my twin were drunk, and we were like, Betty, yeah. We called her Betty. So anyway, Betty got, Betty got us to church, and Dr. Henry was on the stage. And Pastor, uh, Pastor Jackie was up front. Pastor uh, Henry, Dr. Henry was on stage, and he had this really cool, I had long hair at this point. My mohawk was gone. I was now cool, living at the beach, lifeguarding. I was out of the Navy. I could have long hair. Had a little goatee, trying to look like Jesus. And, um, yeah, so I wa- we walked in late because, you know, we could only go like 60 miles an hour. People would flip me off all the time behind me. I wanted one of those stickers that said my other car's a Porsche, you know, <laughs> VW. But anyway, so we made it. And we got there late, and we walked in, and I was like, where's my friend Nate? And somehow he had two seats. It was packed. That's how this place should be. You know that? With Pastor Cindy preaching? And we were so blessed. This place should have no seats. And there was no seats. And it was three times the size of this place at least. And uh, somehow there was two seats behind Nate. And so we sat down, and I sat there, and I just began to weep. I don't even know what Dr. Henry was preaching about. And I was like, Nate did you tell him I was coming? You told him about me. He's talking to me. I don't even know what he was saying. But I just felt like God had his gentle finger right on my heart. And I just wept in my seat. And I had been complaining the whole way there. I'm like, gosh, this place is so far. It's like 28 miles. And this is a Volkswagen. It's air-cooled. It's like hot out, you know? And so when we left, we had to leave early because now is the off-season. So we both worked at the department store, six bucks an hour. Woo. So, well, you made two bucks in tips, right? Yeah, she worked in the cafe. We're older than we look. I know we look young. But anyway, thank God. So, so we were leaving, and I turned to her, and I'm like, we were coming here every Sunday. Let's come back tonight. And she's like, we're working. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, we got to come back. We got to get time off. We got to get, like, permission to come into work late because we got to get you prayer. I heard they pray for people's healing. So my boss turned out to be a Christian. <laughs> God was setting me up. Hers wasn't. So I was like, could you, could I have uh, come in late on Sunday? And she said, sure, sure, Brian. I think her name was Janita, Janetta. Yeah, I don't know what your boss's name. She was, I forget. But anyway, I said, could you talk to her boss and, you know, so we could come in late? She's like, I got you, you know. So we were able to come in late that Sunday. So we went there the next Sunday and they prayed for her. They prayed for her. The church prayed for her. She was terrified because she came out of like, you know, kneel down, sit up, you know, all this stuff. That's, it was very religious, you know, like, don't you mess up or God's going to strike you dead. You know what I mean? Which is not true. Of course we know. But 
I mean, people reaching out their hands and praying for you and stuff and speaking in tongues. She was like shaking like a leaf on a tree crying when they were praying for her because I think she was, God's power was hitting her, but she never felt that. You know what I mean? And within five months, Pastor Jackie gave her uh, scriptures to stand on. And, you know, Mary was a new baby Christian. She thought I was nuts. She's like, you're crazy. You know, like, I was like, no, we got to live like this. And I was like putting the law down because I was like, I'm done backsliding. And you're not going to backslide. You don't have a chance to do that. Nope. You can't go through that sanctification process. I'm going to make sure of it. So I was really militant, you know. And she was like, she was starting to get really frustrated with me because she's like, don't you love me? Because you're trying to change me like crazy, you know. And I was like, oh, okay. Nate told me like, dude, you said you loved her, but now you're telling her you don't love who she is. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. So, but anyway, within five months, she got a clean bill of health. Yeah. And uh, I think I have a picture of our family up there. There's our family. <laughs> a couple years ago, Bryce is a little bit. <laughs> That's our daughter, Brianna. So, 23 years now. So, um, they said she might never have children, even if she had surgery and survived. She never had surgery. God healed her. <laughs> So that's why we went off the deep end and we went to Bible college. We're like, forget this secular college stuff. I'm going broke anyway because I can't work full time and go to college and all that. So we're like, let's go to Bible college. It's so cheap. Just a once, I'm, once, a, once a week at night, you know? So we did that. And then uh, they sent, on, sent us on missions. We went to India. So that's when you wore suspenders back then. It was probably 110 outside, but we, you dressed up. Like, I don't know if it's like that now, but we dressed up. And there was no air conditioning in that building. It probably would have been cooler outside. So that's my beautiful bride at one of the Seven Wonders or whatever the world, I guess, the Taj Mahal. And, uh, yeah, that was an amazing place. So that was on the mission. She looked really good there, didn't she? I think we, we bought some clothes there. And anytime I went to buy a soda, they'd charge me double. So when I wanted a soda over there, I was like, take my money. Here's the rupees. Go get me a soda. And they'd give her, like, a discount. She's better looking, you know. Anyway, I think there's a couple more slides, maybe. Is there? So just praying with people. That little boy back there with the real striking eyes behind the older man, with his, he was our interpreter. I can't remember his name. He followed us wherever we went. It's amazing. And he got born again. He got saved. I remember people, we were, I just got to tell you, like, go do something crazy for God because we didn't have the money, you know. We, we, it was crazy. We were like due to Jesus, but we were like, we're going to India, you know? And then Dr. Henry was supposed to go with us, but Pastor Jackie couldn't get her passport. She also got like some, I don't know what, she got sick or something like that. She couldn't get her visa, right? She couldn't get her visa because I don't know if they were citizens yet, but she got a visa. So they're like, you're going. And I'm like, we are going with you. And he's like, nope, you're going to have to preach. And they put me in front of 1,400 pastors from all over that walked two weeks in the dirt to come. And I'm like, I'm not worthy, you know? I remember Dr. Henry asked me one time, he's like, what do you envision, Brian? He took me out to this restaurant one time for, for lunch when I was on my job. I said, you know, I just saw like this tent and I just saw myself speaking to people. And it came to pass on that trip because that, that's not the tent one. This one was in the dirt. And uh, I remember after we were casting out demons and people were flying off the ground and crazy stuff like, serpents on the ground. This is crazy. 
But, you know, I remember like preaching to people and then we did a prayer thing and people would come up and surround you. And these guys came up with machine guns and they were standing around us. And I was asking the interpreter, like, what's up with these guys? And they're like, oh, they want to hear what you're talking about. I was like, are they going to arrest me? And they're like, no, they want to hear about Jesus. I was like, okay. But people would get saved, healed, saved. They get delivered, saved, healed, filled with the Holy Spirit. It was amazing, you know. And they were just hungry for Jesus. So... I mean, I, I can't find all my pictures. I couldn't find my punk rock pictures. You know, we've moved a couple times. It's some box somewhere, right? So basically, you know, all in all, I just want to say this. You know, I want to inspire you to reach out to someone who, you know, you, it may not look like someone who's going to listen to Jesus. And, you know, maybe they look like they got it all together, but I guarantee you, just because they look like they got it all together doesn't mean they do, you know? They might, like, be dressed in the finest right? But inside, they're a wreck. And if God tells you and speaks to you to share with someone, I want to encourage you to do it because I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for someone being faithful to be courageous and bold and step out of their comfort zone and say, you know what? I don't know about this person, but I'll go ahead. And then I gave them a hard time and they didn't give up. So I want to encourage you not to give up. You know, the Bible says in Philippians 4.13, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, you know? That's all things, you know? That's reaching the unreachable or maybe speaking to someone that looks like they're out of your league, you know? It doesn't matter what they drive. It doesn't matter what they wear. It doesn't matter where they live. We all need Jesus, right? Regardless of their attitude. Luke 9.24 says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I was trying to hold on so tight to my plan and what I wanted. It wasn't working. You know, what do I do? All right. But I was losing my life until I finally surrendered. Then I found peace. Uh, John 10, 9, Jesus said, I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. I was reading that this morning, and Bryce, my son, said, did you just read the 23rd Psalm? And I was like, no, no, that was, uh, you're thinking of, you know, he will lead me in the path of righteousness and beside the still waters about pastors, right? But, you know, he's learning about Jesus. And just two weeks ago, he led his first classmate to Jesus. You know? And we weren't there. We weren't there. He was around all these other teenagers, young teens, and he led them to Jesus. So I'm like, yeah, buddy. So, but you know, Pastor Cindy talked about the super bloom a couple weeks ago. And like to wrap up my message, I just want to say this. Dr. Henry is like that seed, that, that grain of wheat, you know, that went in the ground, right? And his family sacrificed so much to come all the way from South Africa to reach us. You know, they, they died to themselves like a seed in the ground. And this is flowers that Mary and I took pictures of when we heard that the Borrego Springs had millions of flowers in the desert because they were dormant. They were seeds that were dormant for decades. And then it finally rained on them enough so they could germinate, you know, so they could spread roots and spring up into a super bloom. And I know that Dad Henry, that's what I call him, Apostle Dad Henry, he'd want us to be a super bloom like those desert flowers because we've been watered here. And we're getting sun from the S-O-N sun, right? And we've been nourished. 
And, it, and we need to go rescue some other seeds that need water and need to be nourished so we can make a super bloom happen. Because even when it gets dark in these last days that we know we're living in, there is hope. And there's people that are worried and they're fearful and they're afraid and they, they don't know if there's solutions. We got the solution. And like Dad Henry said, you know, we're supposed to develop passionate believers in Jesus. That's our mission. And I know that's you. So I want to encourage you to get out there and just be bold. I call it being a goober. It's a youth thing, youth ministry. Did that for 23 years. Go. Just go. And then go outside. Go outside of your comfort zone. Go outside of your device, please. Sometimes look up. Look at the person that you're sitting there with. (laughs) Right? Look around. I remember one time my son said, or my daughter, she said, Dad, I think we need to pray for that person. Will you go over there with me? So we can pray for them. So go, out, go outside and observe. That's the double O, right? And then be bold. You know, you, gotta, you just got to go for it. I call it flipping the switch. Sometimes like, it's like you go into a dark room and you want light. You just got to flip the switch. And the power will be there and the light will come on. So if you're just willing to flip the switch, like God will take over with his light and shine through you. Because you're the light of the world. And then the E is engage, right? Engage. Just decide to engage people. On, on Friday, I was working late in Escondido. It was now 90 degrees, so I was like, let me find a shady tree. It's like 5 o'clock. So I was doing some paperwork, and this guy came outside, and he was like, hey. Because I was in a neighborhood, and I was like, hey, you know. And I put the windows down. I just felt like turn off the truck, put the windows down. And he's like, how you doing? I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I, I'm just doing some paperwork, you know. And then he came over to me and started talking to me. And he had a little bit of alcohol on his breath, you know. But I was like, this must be a divine assignment or something, you know. And he just started talking to me. And the next thing you know, we're talking about Jesus. And I find out he's just confused. He's been through all these different religions. And I almost got him to the place to pray. But I knew he was still a little confused. And what's his name? Ishmael. If you're watching Ishmael, God loves you. And I told him, you know what, bro? It's not about all this ritual and works and trying to please God. We could never do it. You just need to surrender, bro. You need to surrender. So just be available and engage. And then, I forget what the R is. Remember. Remember what God did for you and share it with others. Nobody can argue with what God did for you. If you can't think of anything else and you didn't even know any scriptures, you just tell someone what God did for you. And then ask him. Just grab their hand and say, you know, can I pray for you? And that's what I did with him. I knew he wasn't ready, but I just said, do you mind if I pray for you? And he was like, oh, sure, man. And he was holding his baby, and his baby was starting to fuss and cry. He was seven months old and stuff. And, 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 and then I started praying, and then his baby stopped crying. And at the end of the prayer, he goes, did you see that? I said, what? He said, my baby stopped crying. That was God's peace. I was like, how do you feel? He goes, yeah, I feel peace. So, you know, I didn't lead him to the Lord right there, but God showed up. I mean, I was like in Escondido. I live in Carlsbad. I pulled into this one street. I felt like, I'm going to go, no, I'm going to turn here. Okay, God, I'm going to park here. And then God was like, cool, I can use you, you know? So if you'll just be available and say, God, use me, I guarantee you, he'll bring people. He will bring people. So why don't you stand on your feet with me and let me pray for you. And, you know, I want to say, like, if you're here today and you're not sure if you would go to heaven if you died today, 
Like, I'm talking 100% sure. Not, yeah, I'm pretty 75%. Because I asked the guy, I said, would you die, you go to heaven? I thought he would say yes. He said, no, I'm pretty sure I won't. I was like, okay, I know what I got to work with. But sometimes people say, yeah, I will. And I'm like, okay, so are you 100% sure? Are you like 50% sure or 75% sure? I got this from my twin brother, by the way. He loves Jesus now. He's born again. He's crazy for Jesus. He goes to, tells people about Jesus wherever he drives his freight van and stuff. So if you're here and you don't know if you would go to heaven when you die, I learned that from Dr. Henry, then I want to shake your hand today and, and pray with you. I want you to come down and talk to me. You might not have heard anything else I said, but now I'm asking you, when you die, will you go to heaven? And if you don't know, heaven is available to you, but you can't earn it. You can't get there on your own. Can a drowning man pull himself out of the water by his own hair? Dr. Henry taught me that too. <laughs> I used to be a lifeguard, and I would go to people, and I'd be like, I'm a lifeguard. I'm a San Diego City lifeguard. You want me to help you? They're like, yes. So God's reaching out to you saying, Jesus is your lifeguard. Can I save your life? Will you surrender and let him save you from drowning in sin? Or maybe you gave your life to Jesus and you're just not sure where you stand with God right now. And like I said, will you, when you die, will you go to heaven? Or maybe you're just a little bit off course or you're not sure what you're supposed to be doing with God and you're like, today, I want to sign up to be a super bloom, Brian. So I'm going to have my ministry team come forward. And if you want prayer about any of those things, I just want you to boldly come. I want you to boldly come. Lord, I just thank you for everyone on the sound of my voice. And thanks for those watching online. Mom, Jackie, Pastor Cindy, and everyone all over. God loves you. So, Lord, I just thank you that today those under the sound of my voice are inspired to not lose hope for their own life and becoming a super bloom for you and being able to be used by you no matter where they're at in life, instead of waiting for them to be perfect, they'll just start being used by you. They'll say, I'm available, God. Use me, and you'll use them right where they're at. And you'll give them the courage to stand for you. You'll give them the boldness to make a decision to be sold out for you. Lord, I thank you for rescuing people, and I thank you for using us to be a part of your plan, to have that privilege to bring people to eternal life in you. In Jesus' name. So I'm going to dismiss you, but if you want prayer, please come forward so my ministry team can pray for you, whatever your need may be. I love you guys.